Amen. Going back to the book of Proverbs. We want to continue our lessons on the discipline of children. The importance of teaching children and uh, disciplining them, raising them up in the ways of the Lord to uh, save your children, very, very important. Amen? And uh, the, the last verse of Scripture that we finished with was found in Proverbs 23. Let's go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. Brother Reynoso, uh, Brother Ayon said he was ready for the children. You want them? We'd like to have them have a class so they won't be in our class this morning. Okay? So when you're ready, give me the high sign and we'll send them out. Amen. We finished off with the last, or these last two verses, Proverbs 13, 24, and also Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Proverbs 13, surprisingly, says that if you don't spank your children, you hate them. That doesn't sound right, does it? In the natural, a lot of children, a lot of parents feel that if they spank their children, their children feel that the parents don't like them. And actually, the way God instituted it, it should be the other way around. If you don't, use a rod on your children at the end. Your children will feel that you hate them and you despise them. And they grow up with a lot of complexes and a lot of problems. Chastising a child is God's way of raising children. Using the rod on a child is God's way of disciplining children. If you fail to follow God's way of bringing up your children, you're going to definitely have a lot of problems, not only with yourself, but with your children. Okay, what class is that, Brother Joe? The junior class? You may go back to your class at this time, all of you that are in the junior class. What age uh, is that? 13 and 15. If you're 13 years old, up to 15 years old, you belong in that class. If you're an old man like the rest of us, stay here. Amen. People is already. Amen. So the Lord tells us very clearly how we are to deal with our children to keep them from falling away from the things of the Lord and from going out and committing things that later on will bring shame unto the father and the mother and shame unto the child and eventually land that child up in hell, according to the word of God.
Proverbs 13, again, it says, He that spareth his rod, in other words, he that does not use the rod on his child, it says, hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him bedtimes. In other words, he uses a rod as often as necessary to curb the will of that child and the life of that child to be what he should be. And he breaks the will of that child using the rod. Again, the Lord uses the word beat. That does not mean that you get your child and you run all over the house with a baseball bat trying to beat him upside the head. That's not what the Bible is talking about. It's not talking. I don't believe that the Bible is talking about you using a, a belt on your children. I am against you using a belt on your children. You should some way, somehow get yourself a paddle that you could use on your children. And when you spank your children, you should not spank your child with anger. You should wait. Your children will anger you. Uh, they anger you. And that's the, when you're going to spank your child, when you say, I'm going to spank you, is because your child has done something wrong that merits a good spanking. But you've got to wait until your anger goes down. Because if you spank your child with anger, you're going to hurt the child. And not only will you hurt the child, but the child will see and, and, and understand. And he will look at you and know that you're angry. And that hurts the child. You should not spank your children when you're angry. If you're angry at your child for something that he did wrong that merits a spanking, you should wait. Put, go, tell the child, go to your room and wait. I'll be there right now. You're going to get spanked. And you explain to the child why he's going to get spanked. Send him off to his room and wait until you cool down. Because if you spank the child when you're angry, you're going to hurt the child. You're going to get that belt and you're going to spank. And you're going to spank like you're hitting a horse. And you're going to spank that child every place that you possibly can hit him. Sometimes you hit him in the face. You hit him in the back of the neck. You hit him in, in his back. And you're going to leave bruises. And that uh, is something else besides using the rod according to the word of God. If the police were to hear the screams of the child and go to your house and say somebody reported that uh, there was a child screaming out of this house. And we come to investigate. And you tell the police, well, everything's all right here. We're a Christian home. I go to church and all that, trying to get the police to leave the house and, and not inspect your children. But you know what the police will do? They'll say, do you have any children? You tell them, yes, we do. I want to see them. And they will not be satisfied until they bring your child, every one of them, right there in your living room and lift up there the back of their uh, 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 blouse or their T-shirt or whatever to see if that child has any marks on them. And when you spank the child with a belt, you're going to leave a mark on that child's back. You're going to leave mark, a mark on his legs. And to you and I, we can say it was not child abuse. It was, uh, we were not beating the child uh, to the extreme. Uh, we were using the, the belt and we could understand that. But uh, the world doesn't understand that. Nowadays, uh, uh, it's gotten so far that, that uh, they got this thing going in court somewhere where a child can turn around and sue the parents. A little old kid, 10 years old, can turn around uh, in this particular court and sue his parents for certain things that his parents did to him. Uh, you've got to be careful how you chastise your children. You have to get yourself a nice paddle. Find yourself a good paddle. Go over and buy yourself, you know those, those little uh, uh, paddles that you used to play with when you were a kid? You go like this. 
Remember those? Buy yourself one of those, a couple of them, and, and tear off that little, that little uh, ball that it has there with a the rubber band and put little holes in it. And that way when you spank your child, you're not, going to, you're not going to bruise the child, but you're going to give him a spanking. It's going to hurt the children. It's going to hurt them when you spank them. When you spank a child, you don't go, like I said, out of anger. You wait till your anger goes down. Then you go and you talk to the child and you tell him you bend over. And very patiently, you cannot imagine the hurt that the child goes through just when he knows that he's got to bend over. You tell him, bend over, son, I'm going to have to spank you. And he tries to talk his way out of it. He'll tell you, dad, but dad, let me explain, dad. I promise that honest, dad, before the Lord, dad, oh, please, dad. All kinds of things that the children will say to you, trying to get away from being spanked. So at the same time that you're, having, you're, you're taking your time and being patient in, in the spanking that you're going to give your child, when the time comes for you to spank that child, the child is going to feel it. He's going to feel grieved in his heart. He's going to have time to think about what he did wrong. And he's going to have to, uh, time to think about how it's going to sting and how it's going to hurt. So when you do bend the child over, what I do, what I used to do, they're too big for me to whip now, they turn around and tell me something. But when they were small and I used to have to whip them, I used to bend them over and tell, tell them what I was going to spank them, bend them over, and slowly, uh, they'd, be, they'd be looking back, say, Dad, no, Dad, and jumping and dancing and doing the hula hoop and everything else. And then when I found a good opportunity, when they didn't think it was going to come, pam, just give them a good one and just flip it back and let it sting. And you could tell when it stings. You give them about three or four or five good ones like that. You don't have to beat a child. You don't have to get the belt and hit him, run all over the house after him and beat him and kick him and bite him and scratch him and pinch him. You don't have to do that. That's against the will of God. That's against what God teaches in his word. Do you know what you do when you do something like that? You're provoking the children to anger. And because a child is young and because a child is very small and you're so big and you're supposed to be his protector, you're supposed to be uh, everything that he trusts in and because of that, he harbors all those feelings inside of his heart. He harbors anger because you, you, you hit him for, for things that he does not merit to be whipped for or you beat him when you're not supposed to or, or you torture him one way or another and you, you beat him and you hurt him and you, you slap him. You're not supposed to slap your children. You're not supposed to hit your children upside the head because after a while they're not going to be thinking, right? You're going to wonder why. It's because you continue to hit him on top of the head. You're not supposed to do those things. And you see, when you do those things, the child doesn't say nothing to you. You can come up and tell me, well, my kid doesn't tell me nothing. And then I, I slap him once in a while. He doesn't tell you nothing because he's not of age. But he's harboring all those little anger tantrums inside of his little heart. And when he's by you and he's with you any place, oh, he's a little angel. Yes, you can tell him to do anything. He might do it. He's a little baby. He'll go wherever you go. You sit in there. And as long as the authoritative figure is that which is you, he'll be all right. He'll be quiet. But you let him loose. When he's playing with the kids, he'll let out that anger that he has. He'll let out that frustration that he has built up inside of him because he cannot fight back. When a, when, when a parent beats him, when a, parent kicks, when a parent kicks him and mistreats him, he has all those feelings of, man, I wish I, can, I can get back at you when he kicks and does everything else when the parents are not around. Have you, you, proof of this is this. Have you ever spanked a child and, oh, you cry and so on and you hit him and so on. And then uh, you, you tell him, go to your room. And when he goes into his room, you hear, have you ever heard that? He's letting out his anger and his frustrations. 
Sometimes because you slapped him. Sometimes because you hit him upside his head. Sometimes because you got that, that, that belt that you're not supposed to hit him with and you begin to hit him all over the place instead of hitting him in, in the, the behind where he's supposed to be spanked. Do not provoke your children to anger. Because they will not tell you anything when they're young. But you let a child, you continue beating the child that way. And you are going to see that when the child gets to a certain age, that thing that he has had bottled up inside of him for a long time is going to begin to come out of him. He's going to hate authority. He's going to hate discipline because you were too much of a, of a uh, uh, too strict on him. You were overly strict and you whipped him for anything. You programmed him like I told you last week. You programmed him to only listen to you when you yell at him. You call him or her, Miha uh, Kamir. Uh, and they don't hear you because you program to yell at him all the time. And that's the only way that he can understand and he can hear you is because you have programmed him to hear your, that, that, that authoritative voice. And you have to deprogram him and you can't do that, friend, when they're 11 and 12 years old. Whatever you do with your children from six months on to about five years old is going to uh, make all the difference in the world as to what he is going to be when he turns 10 and 11 or when he turns into an adult. So you need to learn how to discipline your children. Use a rod, but use it wisely. Amen. When you tell a child you're going to spank him, like we mentioned to you last week, you have to keep that promise. If you don't, you can break it once in a long while. Give him a break. When you tell him I'm going to spank you when I get you home. But if you, don't, if you continue to do that, he's, he'll think you're a fool. The child will think, hey, well, he's just playing around. I can get away with anything. He'll continue to do it. Some of you think that because you're real strict that your children are the best. Oh, I'm over, you're, you're overly strict. I'm not talking about just using the rod. I'm talking about being overly strict. The kind of a parent that's always, always usurping authority and yelling at the children with, a, with an authoritative voice, never able to call a child and, and say, come here, mijo, or, or put his arm around the child or whatever, but always using that authoritative voice. As long as that child is in front of you, he's an angel. Amen. He's used to that kind of authority, but you let him loose. You send him over to, to somebody else's house. Or you send him to school and you wonder why in the world is my child misbehaving in school. And I'm so strict with him and I'm, I'm, I'm this and I'm that with him. And he, he's alright at home when I'm around. But why is he acting up in school? Why is he fighting with everybody? Why is he stealing? Why is he lying? Why is he cheating? Why is he doing all this? It's because of the way you're treating him. All you do is assert authority over him and you show him no love. You need to deprogram that child and that's what you're doing. You've got to begin to talk to him softly. Begin to show him that you love him. Begin to show him that authority is not is not to be hated. Authority is to be to, to be loved because authority and discipline will bring self-discipline eventually and it will help the child. But if you continually put that authority figure in front of him, he's going to despise it. And when he gets to a certain age, he's not going to like anybody to tell him anything, especially the police department. He's going to despise authority. He's going to despise discipline because at home, all that there was was that discipline, was the authority figure, was authority voice. Hey, come here. Come over here. Hey, what are you doing over there? I mean, you've got to stop that. You've got to catch yourself in the way you're talking to your children and come down and begin to talk to them like the human beings that they are. You know that children are very, very precious in the sight of God. Amen. They're very precious in the sight of God. The disciples asked the Lord, how can we enter into the kingdom of God? The Lord brought a little child and he brought him to the disciples and says, if you, you must become like one of these little children here to inherit the kingdom of God. 
He used them as an example. Uh, he also said, if you hurt one of these little ones, this is uh, the, the, uh, uh, how much uh, uh, love the Lord has for children. They're helpless and they depend on you as a parent to raise them in the, in the right way. If you don't, then God's going to hold you accountable for that. He puts a great emphasis on children and, and nobody, nobody can, can bring up those children right except you. Whatever your children are today is because of the way you raised them. You cannot get away from that. You can leave this church this morning and you can say, no, I did not raise my child to steal. I did not raise my child to, to be a liar. I did not raise my child to be a drug addict. No, you did not tell him to go out and use drugs, but you did not give him the attention that he needed or you beat the child when you were not supposed to beat him or you were not a good example to the child and that child became what he is today because of what you were and what you did with that child when he was young. Amen. So you can't leave the space and say, it wasn't my fault. Yes, we have a lot to do with what our children are today. If there's divorce in the home, it's probably because a child saw that at home. If a man is, uh, doesn't know how to love, it's because he never saw his parents love one another at home. That little child at six months old is watching everything you do. Everything you say. You sit him down there and mom and dad are, are going at it, man. Boom, boom, pow, pow, boom. And you see the child doesn't see nothing. He doesn't hear nothing. He's watching everything that you're doing. And it's going to affect him. What you're doing with that child now is going to determine what that child is going to be when he grows to be an adolescent. The Lord says you have a privilege to bring that child up the right way. He says, you have the authority to bring up that child the right way. It's all up to you. Nobody is going to do it for you. You have to raise that child according to the word of God. The Lord said, "If you must become as one of these little ones to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. He used a little child. And he also said, if you hurt one of these little ones, we can go so far. And we can tell you so many things about how you can hurt one of these little ones. If you hurt one of these little ones, he said, it's better for you to tie a chain around your neck and put a stone at the end of it and throw yourself in the ocean, the Pacific Ocean at that. <laughs> That's how much the Lord loves little children. They're helpless. They will only learn what you teach them. They will only do what you do. They will only inherit what you leave them. They're helpless and they depend completely and totally on you to raise them upright. They have no control over the way they are going to be raised. Your child has no control over what you're going to do with them. No, sir. You have control. After they turn a certain age, when they take control, then whatever you did with them when they had no control, is going to determine what they're going to do when they have full control of their lives. Did you understand that? It's very, very important for us to understand this. Amen. So, don't spare the rod. Because if you do, you hate your son. And the reason it's saying that is because of the consequence of not using discipline. Don't think that you're going to sit down and reason with a child. A child, as I told you last week, will respond to pain. And then you cannot give him pain without the child knowing what the pain is for. A little baby, six months old, grabs a lamp 
and you scold him and you go and you sit him down someplace and a half hour later you come and spank him for doing that to the lamp. He's not going to know what in the world you're, you're spanking him for. A child has to be spanked immediately when he does something wrong. So he'll know what you're spanking him for. When he gets to a certain age that he understands and he talks and, and he can say words and so on. He does something wrong. You're supposed to go to the child and tell him what he did wrong and why you're going to spank him. They've got to know what they're being spanked for. Or you will confuse a child. He will feel the pain and he will know that it hurts. But he'll wonder, why in the world am I hurting? What is this all about? They have to know what you are spanking them for in order for them to not do it again. Amen? This is very important for us to understand. A lot of parents, they spank the children and the children don't know what they are being spanked for. You have to be careful and make sure that they understand what they are being chastised for and what they are being spanked for. Don't spare the rod because if you do, you hate your son. But he that loveth him disciplines him continually. You're not lazy. You keep your eyes open. Amen. Do you notice the way God made parents? We raised six of them ourselves. And I remember the times that when my little babies were in their little cribs, they whimped or they made a little noise. And I woke up. I don't remember the times that that happened to me. But I know the times that it happened to my wife. Amen. You know, you could, you could be laying down sound asleep and your baby could be in the crib next to you. And I'm talking about the woman especially. This is how sensitive God makes you to that child. And that little baby will be asleep in the crib. A firecracker could go off. The atomic bomb could go off. And nothing moves you. <laughs> That's right. Motorcycle go off in front of your house, make all kinds of noise, and you might turn over and just continue that deep sleep that you're in. But let that little baby make a little sound, a little tiny sound, any kind of a sound. And that mother, just like that. How many have experienced that? Yes, sir. Just like that. Sensitive to her child, sensitive to that voice. A little noise that the child makes and immediately the mother's awake and she goes over to see. Man, motorcycles went by, all kinds of things went by during the night. She didn't hear a thing, but she heard the voice of that little baby. That's how sensitive God makes that mother to that child. It starts when the child is very young and very small. Amen. Where God puts a certain something in that mother to protect and take care of that child. He, the Lord makes that mother very sensitive to the sound and, and the voice of that little child. That she can close everything out of her life when she's asleep. But when that little child makes a noise, that mother wakes up because she knows that it's her baby. Amen. God intended it to be that way. So that you could be sensitive to your children. And so you could take care of your children according to the word of God. If you love your child, you're going to get up for your child. If you love your child, you're going to take time for your children. If you love your child according to the word of God, when your child does something wrong, you're not going to hold back discipline. You're going to discipline that children. When your children are rebellious and they're running around all over the place and you have no control over them. 
And you come up to me and you tell him, but brother, I, I spank him. No, you don't. I can tell you close, close, close relatives of mine that say that they spank their children and they don't. Sometimes they're very erratic in the discipline of their children. Sometimes a child will do something real bad and they'll laugh it off. Because they're in that kind of a mood, they can take it. And then uh, a couple of days will go by and a child will do something that's not too bad and they might laugh that off. And then uh, the same day a child will do something that's middle class bad and they'll spank the daylights out of the child. And then they'll go and tell the pastor, I don't know what's wrong with my child, I spank him. Amen. They're supposed to not be erratic in their discipline of the children. Amen. You're supposed to be the same all the time. And then another thing that's happening very, very, very uh, often in our, in our ranks today is that when uh, uh, mom or, or dad, usually it's dad that's a strong one, usually, not all the time. Amen. And the dad will uh, tell the child, I'm going to spank you, and then he'll spank the child or discipline the child. And after he disciplines the child, the child knows that he can go to mama. And he'll go to mama and say, oh, daddy, spank me. And mama will hug the child and say, oh, you know how mean daddy is. My, you don't know how, what a terrible thing you have done to that child. I have had children come to my office when they have turned 18 and 19 years old and told me, I hate that. I'm struggling today because when my dad used to chastise me, I used to run to my mom because I knew that she would side with me and it hurt me more than it helped me. That's why I'm in the condition that I'm in today. I'm telling you, church people have come to me, young people have come to me and told me those very words. I've gone to my mother after my dad has, has disciplined me and she has told me, oh, you know how your dad is. And that alleviated the chastisement. That took away whatever dad did. And I grew up with a, with a, with a, a thought, well, I can, I can get away with certain things, and I can't get away with certain things, and I'm confused. I don't know which way I'm going. You better get together with your husband and with your wife. We made that agreement a long time ago. Years ago. Don't you ever side with the children. Even if I'm wrong. Because children will do that. Children will, will outdo you and outplan you. You think that they're, they don't know what they're doing? Yes, they do. You spank a child and if she can or if he can, he'll walk right by where mom is at and look at him with those big old tears waiting for mom to say, Ay, mijito. And a lot of those moms do it, and that's where a lot of problems come from. When the mom and the dad are not together. We had an agreement. When my children go to you, when the children go to you, I want you to don't tell them nothing. Don't, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing. Chase them away. Let them go. Let them know that you and I seek together the same thing. That we are one mind and the one accord and the one heart. Because if they ever come to the point where they, they have this split thing, you know, uh, uh, mom thinks one way and dad thinks another way, I'm going to side with mom. They'll always side with uh, the side that's, uh, that's uh, the, the lightest. They will not side with the one, the, the disciplinary one. No, sir. They'll always side with the one that will let them do what they want to do. That's human nature. That's a fallen nature. That's in every human being today. So you parents, if you're doing that, don't do that anymore. Amen. Mother, don't wait till dad gets home to discipline your children. Do it. 
for your home so the child can respect you as much as he respects his dad. Dad, when you come home and your child does something wrong, don't give it over to mom. Say, mom, I never see him. I'm always working, so I feel bad spanking the child. You better start usurping a certain authority over the child. He has to look at you as the authority figure at home. If he sees mom as the one that's always chastising and always disciplining the child, especially if he's a boy, he's going to have problems. When he grows to a certain age, he's not going to know whether he wants to be a boy or a girl. We have some of those around here. Walking around kind of funny. Doesn't know whether he wants to be a boy or a girl. He's confused. The role at home was switched. Dad that was supposed to be the authoritative figure, supposed to be the, the one to discipline the child, never did. He was always telling mom to do it because, oh, he never sees the baby and he doesn't want the baby to feel bad for him and all that. You're supposed to discipline the child as much as mom so that that child can look at you as a man that you are supposed to be. To come when that child is going to be confused. He's not going to look at you as the authoritative figure. He's going to look more to his mom. Say, praise the Lord. You're a little quiet this morning, but that's all right. These are very simple things that I think we all need to know and to understand. So he that spares his rod, he hates his son. That means if you don't spank him, you hate him. But if you love him, you will chastise him, you will discipline him, you will use a rod on your children if you love them. Because in Proverbs 23 says, withhold not correction from the child. For if you beat him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. My Lord, generation of today, do you see the way they are today? I know you all notice the generation of today, the generation of young people today. A young man made a comment one time, a rock singer with his long hair, and uh, they asked him why the long hair. He says, because short hair is what uh, the, most of the world wears today. And, and uh, I like my long hair. We wear long hair because it's a sign of rebelliousness against our parents. Because everybody else wants to have their short hair, we're going to have our long We're going to be different. Rebelliousness against parents today. That's a generation in which we live in. A generation of rebellious young people who were made that way by lax parents. Parents that did not discipline parents that really thought that they loved their children but they really didn't and they see their children now the way they are in the world today and they wish that they could do it over again but they can't these homosexuals that you see marching the streets of Long Beach in San Francisco we're going to talk about them and how they became homosexual so that you will not produce a homosexual yourself because it's very possible we've got some in our churches today that walk they still walk a little funny and they talk a little funny. Yes, sir. And I wonder about them sometimes. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in our churches in general. They're beginning to creep into the churches. And we have to be careful. Some of them have come up for setting aside for the ministry. Can you imagine them preaching to you the word of God? Can you say praise the Lord? <laughs> 
My God Almighty. <laughs> yes, sir, we don't want that in the church. It's an abomination in the sight of God. That's why the Lord says very clear in His Word that if you beat Him with a rod, you're going to save His soul from hell. Somebody, one of those homos, you know what they said? They said that the reason, <laughs> that's what they are, homos, the reason that, uh, that they don't believe that they're doing wrong, and they have a homo church, you know about all that homo church and all that kind of stuff, that they believe that they're doing okay and they can continue to be homos and everything, boy love boy, girl love girl, any way you want to call it, do whatever you want, is because uh, it's not a sin because uh, they did not choose to become homosexuals. This is something that says that we were born with. I didn't have a choice. The only time that sin is sin is when you have a choice to do evil or to do wrong. That's a, that, that's a lie from the pits of hell. We bring one of them up here and cast that demon of homosexual, homosexuality out of him and he no longer has to be a homosexual. But they choose to be that. They're confused. You go in, into any homosexual family. And you look at the parents and most of the time you're going to find that the mother is a boss of that house. Walks around with muscles. Lifts weights every day. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Well, we won't get into that until we get into producing a homosexual. I want you to get this embedded in your heart this morning, church. If you love your children... You're not going to spare the rod. I know there's a lot of you here that don't like what I'm saying. But it's what the Word of God says. You violate this Word and you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble and in a lot of problems. If you got baptized in Jesus' name because you believed in Acts 2.38, then you must believe what I'm teaching here today because it's in the Bible. You beat your son with a rod and you will save him from dying. A physical death and a spiritual death. Uh, I, I remember, not uh, well, it was a few years ago, we were still on, on, on Whittier Boulevard, and um, uh, on the way home from, from church, we saw an accident, a terrible accident, uh, over here on, on Whittier Boulevard. A young man was all full of PCP. He had a couple of girls in the car and a couple of young men, and they ran into, uh, right in front of this, this uh, Ostrom Chevrolet over here, they hit a post, and the car split in half, and they split in half, and all you could hear was yelling and screaming and so on. Uh, young, 18-year-old children that killed themselves under the influence of PCP. I wonder what their parents thought. Uh, they killed a couple of innocent bystanders, a couple of innocent people that had gone to the store that night to buy something uh, for the house and they ran into them and they killed them also. I wonder what their parents thought about those children. Their parents were just as guilty as those children for the sin that they committed. And this is where the Bible is fulfilled. If you spare the rod, if you spare the, if you don't whip your children, your children are going to die. They're either going to die a physical death, a tragic death, or they're going to die spiritually and go to a devil's hell. This is what the scripture is saying. But if you use a rod, you will save them from hell. You will save that little baby that you're carrying in your arms. You will save him from going to hell. You will save your little child from the trials and the tribulations of this life. You will save him from the drug scene and from the parties and the problems that exist in the world today. You will save your children from divorce and you will save your children from stabbings and 
and shootings and all that. If you raise up your child according to the word of God and you use a rod on your child when you're supposed to use a rod to break his will and bring him up in the ways of the Lord. That's what the word of God teaches us. Amen. And then when you pray, if your child ever goes astray and you pray, you can always pr pray with a clear conscience, Lord, I did what your word told me to do. I prayed for him. I fasted for him. I taught him the oracles of God. I took him to church. I didn't let him stay home. As long as he lived in, under my roof, I made him come to church. And no matter what, I did everything that you said in your word, God. Now you've got to save my son, and I guarantee you that God's going to save him. I strayed from the things of God for many years, but I believe that my, my mom and my dad were able to call upon God that same way that I just told you to call upon God. We did what we knew to do. And God heard, and God brought me to the Lord because of that. But when you don't do it, after you hear lessons such as this, and you raise your children according to the word of God, do you know that there's a lot of good children today in the world that don't smoke and don't drink? A lot of them. Yeah, they don't smoke, they don't, they don't drink, they don't go to the, to the show, they don't go to the, to the dances, they, they live a life just as clean as you do. All they need is repentance and baptism and the Holy Ghost and they'll make it to heaven. Somebody says, oh, well, if they're that good, they don't need to be bad. Yes, they do. Cornelius did, and he was a good man. There's, there's people out there, young people, that are just, and you know why they're that way? Because the parents use the rod according to the word of God. They might not know nothing about the word of God. I didn't know this about raising up children. It was in me to raise my children that way. I didn't know that. These people didn't know how to raise their children. They don't know anything about the Word of God, but they raised their children with discipline. And their children came out to be good children. But you talk to them about the things of God. And sometimes those are the worst ones to, to win over to the Lord. What do I need the Lord for? My children are working. My son's going to college. My other son's a doctor. The other one's this and the other one's that and so on. And it's hard to win them over to the Lord because they didn't use the Word of God. God makes you responsible for your child's life. The moment that that child is conceived, God says to you, I have given you that child so that you can raise him in the ways of the Lord. You are to raise a child according to the word of God, especially after you are taught. And if you do this, you're going to save the child from a lot of problems. Any one of us can stand and tell you of the problems that we encountered in the world. I believe every one of these men that are here today can stand up and almost beg you not to do or not to go the same route that some of them went because they know it was nothing but heartache and problems in the world. And here we are giving you the opportunity to not allow your children to go through some of the things that we went through. And yet some people will shun that out of the way and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You are the ones that are going to cry at night. You are the ones that are going to have problems with your children. You are the ones that are going to be calling the police station to see if your child is in jail or not. You are the ones that they're going to call to the mortuary to come and see if you can identify a child that fits the description of yours. I'm telling you the truth, church. This is the way it is. The child will bring shame to you. Spare the rod and you'll cast him into hell. Spare not the rod. And you'll save his soul from hell. Say praise the Lord to that. Amen. The rod and reprove give wisdom.
Did you know that? Did you know that the rod and reproof give wisdom? Not knowledge. Knowledge comes with it automatically because if there's wisdom, there has to be knowledge. Knowledge is learning. Wisdom is learning, is knowing how to put knowledge to work. And he says here that the rod of reproof or the rod and reproof give wisdom. It gives a child wisdom. A little child is going to grab something and after a while a child is wise. He's going to say, no, every time I touch that I feel a pain in my hand. <laughs> he says, no way. Child runs out into the street. You bring him in and you spank him to make sure he understands. Not just a couple. But I mean, give him some good ones that he knows. Let him out again like I told you the other night. After a while, when the child walks down the street again, and you bring him in and spank him again, nice and hard, after the second or third time, that child's going to be wise. He's going to say, every time I go to the street, he does not understand that a car is going to come and hit him. Even though you tell him a car is going to come and, he don't, and run over you, and there's gonna, I used to tell him, and there's going to be blood all over the place. And I don't want to see that. And the little child would say, blood? I said, yeah, blood. And then I used to bring him in and whip him, whip. They don't understand about blood. They don't understand about a car. They don't understand about drunk drivers. They don't understand about uh, uh, drug addicts or PCPers that will come by and hit you. If you run out into them, they don't understand that. They understand pain. That's what they understand. You cannot make them understand that it's a drunkard. They don't know what a drunkard is at that age. But they do understand pain. Don't go out there. So every time they go, bring them back. Boom. Every time they go, bring them back. I mean, good ones. Until finally... He doesn't know about drunkards, but he does know that every time he goes onto the street, he gets whipped and it hurts. He says, I'm not going to do that. He gets wise. The rod and reproof give wisdom unto the child. And I don't mean hitting, hitting him upside the head. A lot of parents hit their children in the head. Don't hit your children in the head. That's where the brain's at. <laughs> Amen. Wham. Stupid, wham, dumbbell. <laughs> after a while, the kid walks around. After a while, the kid, the kid stutters. Do you know that stuttering is a sign of nervousness in a, nervousness in a child? We'll get to that just a bit. Let's go a little further. And the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child left to himself. You know what that means? A child left to himself? Oh, he'll grow out of it. Leave him alone. He's just a baby. No, it's all right. Leave him alone. Oh, mijitito, he's so sweet. I can't believe that, that you believe in spanking a little child that young. I can't believe that. Leave him to himself. Let him go out there and beat up on the kids. And you come back and say, he deserved that. After a while, he'll have you fighting with a comadre and a compadre. After a while, he'll have you fighting with a neighbor. Yes, sir. Because he's left to himself. Leave him alone. Let him have all his frustrations. I've seen children fall on the floor and kick and fuss and bang the floor. The only reason they don't cuss is because they don't know how. But they do everything else. While they fall on the floor and they roll and they kick and they, they pound and everything else. And the mama looks at him and the daddy looks at him. Leave him alone. He'll get over it. You know what that is? That's what the Bible calls leaving a child to himself. 
Man, my children used to have anger fits. And not used to anger me. I said, wait a minute. Come here. And then they'd finish their anger fit real quick like, oh no, dad, I'm sorry, dad. Oh God, oh dad. And come on and whip him. Let's see if he's going to have an anger fit. Break the will of that child. Don't leave that child to himself. If your child does the same thing, if your child falls on the floor because he doesn't get his way or she doesn't get his way and he starts having a little anger fit, that's an opportunity that God has given to you to pick up that child, take him into the room somewhere and break that wheel, break that anger fit. He's going to continue. I have a little granddaughter that we took care of. I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Her wheel is still with her. Oh, yes. And she tried to pull one of those little anger fits on us. And man, it doesn't work in this house. And we used to get her and wham, 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 wham. You don't take your children to my house without signing a paper saying I can whip them. We took those anger fits away from her. And do you know that little baby was sweeter with us than with her own parents? Do you know that a child will detect and will know when, when she's with her parents? And do you know that those children that's will is not broken are terrible with their parents? But when there was somebody else, they're the sweetest little things. And as soon as they see mommy, oh, they start getting that little, that little uh, fallen nature in them, you know, and start acting up and start doing things that they're not supposed to do because the parents fail to break their will. They recognize authority as little children, beautiful little babies with fat little legs and chunky little cheeks and... Beautiful smiles and dimples and oh man, I love that little baby. I can just get her and oh, I'll play with her. But when she has a fit, I'll whip the daylights out of her. Amen. Picked her up and tried to poke my, my eyes. I'll poke her eye. Slap me one, I'll slap her too. I'll teach her that when you slap, you're going to get slapped back. Break that will. Amen. So, you need to not leave your children to themselves. Do not leave your children to themselves. Do what you are supposed to do. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? So you correct your son and he shall give thee rest. My. You correct your son and he shall give thee rest. I told you the other day how some how some sisters some mothers have little children and uh, by the end of the day the mother is so tired and so weary that when the husband comes home from work the mother is laying down on the couch her molotes to one side one shoe is off. She's all full of mud. Dirt on her face. I don't know what else I could say. Husband comes home and, Hi, pobrecita, what's the matter, honey? All oh, these kids. All day, Junior went outside and I had to chase that he was in the mud and I had to go out there and bring him in. I did that four times. Is that why you got mud all over your... Yes. And then when I brought him in, he jumped in the sink and he took down the, the, the mouthwash and he was trying to flush it down the toilet and, and oh, I don't know, I, I was just... It was really a bad day for me today. 
husband goes out to the bathroom and the toilet is, is, is plugged up. Honey, what happened to the toilet? Well, Junior, uh, my daughter, your daughter, she went over and threw toilet, the whole roll of toilet paper. She was playing with the toilet and she threw the toilet paper in the toilet and, and then she flushed it and it got plugged up. And My God. So she worked eight hours while he was working eight hours. He took a lunch break. She didn't. Finally, she said, finally they got tired. I ran out after my son. Four times I went out there to bring him in from the mud. Three times the, the, the little girl went over to the bathroom. She got in there and I told her, don't do that. Did you talk to them, honey? You know, you got to talk to them. Yes, I brought them and I counseled both of them. <laughs> Counsel with them. And here she is, all worn out, man. Good for nothing. Couldn't make dinner. Couldn't do nothing because the children ran her down. Do you know that that's the mother's fault? Do you know that that's daddy's fault? Because if you discipline your children, you, you would have caught your child on the mud. Come here, mijito. That's right. And you take him over into a little room and you tell him, look at you. Take off his pants. And tell him, I'm going to whip you so you will not go in the mud again. Let him know that he did wrong. And then you get that paddle and wham. Spare not for his crying. It hurts you to hear him cry. The beautiful little baby, but he was out in the mud. He's not supposed to. And hit him again, hit him again, and hit him again. Five or six, maybe ten. It depends on how he cries. And then you let him stay in his room for a while. And I guarantee you that child will not do that again. He will not do that again. And he will give you rest according to the word of God. He'll give you rest when they're children and when they're old, they're going to give you rest. Because when they get their own car and they have to go out wherever they go, you're going to know where they're at. You're going to know where they're coming back. You're not going to be afraid of where, what they're doing. Wrong crowds, blowing weed, dropping pills, going out with the wrong people. You won't have to worry about that because you use the rod. They're going to give you rest for your soul. How many of you parents hear rest when your children are out no matter where they're at? Let me see your hands. Don't be truthful. How many of you really rest? Very few. The rest of you, I'm sorry for you. My. I rest, man. I rest. Hmm. Sometimes it's hard for me to get up in it, Perry. Come to work late sometimes because I rest so good. <laughs> I'm not afraid, thank God. I don't fear to where my children are. Because I worked when they were children. You've got to work now that they're children. Work, work, work. You've got to work with your children. Amen. Okay? Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea. He shall give delight unto thy soul. He will delight your soul. Hey. I mean, I, I know people that, that brag about their children. Okay, my son this and my son that. I don't like to brag about my children. I know what I have. 
And you know what I have, so I can't lie to you. But there's people that get up and say that they have this, and that's fine. But they worked for what they have. And they're delighting over the fact of what God has blessed them with. I could easily stand here and say, hey, I got a son over there. I got a son over here. I got another one over there. I got another one over there. I got my daughters over there. And they're delighting my soul. And they are delighting my soul. I've got no worries. I'm not worried about divorces. I'm not worried about problems. They have problems like anybody else. They can be ironed out, but they're, they're, they're sound-minded because I worked. And I can tell you this. If I had not worked and my children were not of the Lord and they were not serving God and they were not in the Lord and they were not good children, I could not teach you this. Because the Bible tells me that you, if you don't govern your house right, how can you govern the house of the Lord? Amen? So I don't have to stand up here and brag and tell you what I have and what I don't have and everything else. The Lord knows. But I couldn't teach you this if things were falling apart in my house. I'd be embarrassed. I'd feel intimidated. But you need to work at it. You need to work. You need to work. You need to work. Amen. Find out where your children are all the time. Work with them. Love them. Treat them right. It's not only feeding them, but it's giving them support, moral support. I don't know if I want to get into the next topic of my lesson. It's almost time to quit here. And if I get into it, we'll never stop. Amen. He shall give delight unto thy soul. Give delight unto thy soul. How many of you have gone places, maybe relatives? You've gone to your relatives' houses? You've gone different places? And you've seen the parents out there sitting down the porch and the sons are out there, maybe two or three of them, they're shining up their cars, lowered, you know, low riders. And the parents see them there shining up their cars with a uh, beer in their hands and maybe even blowing weed. And the parents are, oh, I'm so proud. Hey, that's my son. Which one? The one over there with the hair down to his ankles. <laughs> that's my son. comes another one driving up in a motorcycle with boots on and long hair. And the parent, ah, hey, did you know my son? God Almighty. The world has it upside down and backward. Amen. We are the ones that should be proud of our children. They give us delight. They delight our souls. Amen. When we see them worshiping God, praise the Lord. My children are in the Lord. Praise God. They're playing for the Lord. Praise God. They're in a service someplace. Thank God they love to go to conventions. Thank God they love to go to services. Thank God they love to be in the house of the Lord. That delights my soul. It should delight yours to see that your children are serving the Lord. And you say, praise the Lord. But for you to accomplish this, You've got to follow the way of the Lord. Everything you do, you've got to follow what the Word of God says. You get away from the Word of God. You can look at me from there where you're at, and you can say, Brother Hernandez, I don't believe anything you say. Or you can just take certain parts of what I said today, and you can take them home with you, and, and whatever you want to do with it, and the rest of it you don't want to believe. But that's your problem. You're the one that's going to have the problems. Children won't give you no problem when they're little. They don't express their feelings other than have little tantrums. 
tantrum fits and so on, they won't tell you what they like and what they don't like. And you think everything's all right because you can control them. You get them by the hand, you say, come on. Put them in the car, sit them down, they, they go wherever you want to go. They follow you. You put them in the back seat of your car, they're going to follow you wherever you go. Without a shadow of a doubt. But they get to a certain age. I remember when I got to that age, 11 years old, I said, I'm not going to go to church anymore. And I stopped going to church. At 11 years old, Dad was running after me with a belt. He was never taught how to chastise and how to discipline children. Came from Mexico. He was very strict because he was raised without a father, without a mother. He didn't know how to love. He didn't know how to give out love. So he had a problem giving us the love that we needed. So we grew up with certain complexes and so on. And I wanted identification. I wanted to find out who I was. So I went out and I identified with a, with a, with a choloism. I went out and got a gang together and did our thing. And I felt pretty good about it. I felt, hey, you know, I identify. Now I'm something. And the last time I remember he was following me with a belt. I told you this before. It was a big old razor strap. I'd rather get hit with a razor strap than a belt. The belt is thin and it cuts and it hurts. A razor strap is wide. Fits your nachos pretty good. <laughs> yes, sir. But I ran because I was already old. I didn't want him to whip me anymore. And, and I was running toward the, the, the front door. And, and the screen door, the door was open, the screen door was there, and, and he was right behind me. I heard his steps, man. I was running like I, could, like I never ran before, all the way around the house, inside. And when I hit that screen door, the, the screen door was locked, and I bounced back, boom. And I looked up, and there he was with that razor strap in his hand. And something clicked inside of me when I got up. I mean, I, even to this day, it's so clear. He provoked me to anger. And something clicked inside of me and the fuck.